0: Welcome to Meet the Filmmaker at the Apple Store Soho in New York City. Please welcome our moderator this evening from Hot 97, Ebro in the Morning, and Beats 1, radio anchor, DJ Ebro Darden.
1: How y'all doing?
2: All right. Uh, well, I want to say a few words. Um, first, uh, big up to Apple, the Apple Store Soho. Apple Music, Beats One for doing these amazing events. I want to do that first. Second, um, it's a privilege for me to be up here in front of you guys and having this conversation with the amazing people we're about to meet. Um, I was 12 years old when I found out about NWA. And um, the impact that that made on me in knowing what was going on Um, In other neighborhoods and people experiencing the same thing that my cousins and my father and people were going through with police brutality was How do I describe it? We didn't have the internet. We didn't know how to connect with people from other hoods All we had was hip-hop records and so when you heard people that Looked like you sounded like you and were experiencing the same frustrations that you were experiencing Excuse my language while shit was fucked up it's, in a way, felt comfortable at the same time. And I think it's very important that everyone here know that what we're about to see when we see Straight out of Compton, what you all are going to enjoy, and the people that have put this together for us, it's that important, especially what's going on socially right now. So uh, give it up for yourselves for taking the time to be here. Give it up to Apple once again uh, for carrying this and, and allowing this dialogue to take place in their facility. Um, Pablo, we're going to get the trailer on, right? Let's do it.
3: Welcome to Compton.
4: What up, man? Okay,
0: Dr. Drex.
3: Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's where it all
4: started. We put it all in the music, all our frustration and anger. Our music was like our weapon. And that's the most powerful weapon we got. What's up, man? A lot of people don't realize about In-Depth Way, it's non-violent protest.
3: We let people know that it's okay to say what you want to say. It's crazy to see how all these different people around the world feel the same way that we feel. We kicked the door down for a lot of artists. Game time.
1: What's up? up? The foundation that was set by y'all, man, I'm so appreciative. You know, I just try to keep
3: the flame lit. What's up? What's up? When I think of N.W.A. It wasn't really music to me. It was more like a real lifestyle. Brothers from my neighborhood that made it
4: out. The same thing that we was going through in the 80s with the police people going through right now.
3: It's a good time for us to tell our story. Some kids from Compton. How we touch the world.
2: All right, let's bring the fellas out. Uh, Jason Mitchell. O'Shea Jackson Jr. Jason will be playing Easy E. O'Shea's playing his dad. Corey Watkins, come on up, sir. He'll be playing Dr. Dre. Yeah. Corey Hawkins, give it up. Also, director, the coolest man, the arguably the coolest man I ever met in Hollywood. Give it up for F. Gary Gray right now. Yo. And of course, um, the voice. The voice, the face, the eyebrows, the rhymes. Give it up for O'Shea Jackson Sr. Ice Cube. Yay, yeah, yay.
4: Wow, I just. O'Shea Jackson Sr. Damn. I... Yeah, you, you caught that? Yeah, man. <laughs> Usually nobody say that unless they got a check for me. Yeah,
2: no. Nah, I don't have that. I don't have that. Sorry. <laughs> um, so we got a lot of ground to cover while we're here. We're gonna be doing a QA. So you guys will have an opportunity to speak to these gentlemen up here. Um, But I want to start with the actors in the movie. Um, Jason, you play Eazy E. Yes, sir. Um, Talk about your path to becoming uh, and and getting this role, and then becoming Eazy E. What was that process for you?
5: Well, um, it was a lot to fight for from the beginning, you know, for me because I come from the hood, the real hood, you know, not the rap hood, you know. So I was, I was already in the position where I mentally wanted to free myself, you know, a lot like N.W.A. and a lot like Eazy E. But, you know, when it rolled across my, um, you know, my email or whatever, and they like, you know, you can read for easy, e of course you, you take that super serious, you know what I mean? You realize the magnitude of it. So I went there, you know, I put myself on tape, sent it, maybe three weeks later, they sent it back, and they like, well, look, uh, Gary, you know, he really likes you. Do you want to fly to L.A.? And I was like, ah. See the way my bank account's set up, you know what I'm saying? I don't really think I'm gonna or be able to pull that lack off. Lack of bank accounts, right right, right? right, right, right. You know, uh, oh, so what's, what's today? You know, but, um, yeah, luckily, you know what I mean? My man right here gave me a real chance, you know what I mean? And, and had me Skype it in, you know what I mean? And we, we was on Skype, what, how, how long you say, brother? Hour and 17 minutes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, and, um, I booked
6: it and right there, And you killed man. it. Come on, man. You killed it.
5: Thank you. Thank killed you killed it. Thank you.
2: Yeah. yeah. Now, O'Shea, um, because you're like your father's twin, I'm going to jump to Corey. I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> and, then, and then we're going to come back to you. Clean? All right. All right. Corey, um, yeah. you also had... Um, You know, unlike Jason, Jason didn't necessarily get to, obviously rest in peace to Easy e didn't get to connect with Easy e but you had Dr. Dre on set. Yeah, Um, yeah. And part of your task um, was learning the mannerisms, the tone of voice, how he DJed, you know, what he was going through, you know, how to look like you was, you know, learning how to DJ, learn how to produce. Talk about your process.
1: Um, So originally, I was coming from, because I live here in New York, so I was on Broadway uh, working on Shakespeare. (laughs) And um, and uh. <laughs> I mean that rhymes. That rhymes, <laughs> yeah, though. Right. It, it right rhymes. Yeah. That's bars. It's I mean, related. It's it's related. It's related bars. Dur-Los, you know. Um. So then. Uh. So it was kind of. It was. It was an interesting journey. You know, when it came across, the desk. You know what I'm saying? To to go in for Dr. Dre. And, at first, I I didn't I was I didn't want to do it because I was like I don't want me to be the one to mess up. Dr. Dre's legacy, you know. Um, but one thing led to another. I ended up Skyping with Gary again. I get out to L.A., studio tests, you know, with these guys. Um, and I booked it. And then I remember sitting down and meeting with Dre uh, for the first time. Like, we all went out to dinner and everything. And I look across the table. And, you know, we, we weren't talking about the movie the whole time. Like, it was just about, about you know, we was just watching the playoffs, kicking it. And um, at the end of dinner, he pulled out his phone and... His iPhone. Um, <laughs> <laughs> of course. And, uh, and he uh, was passing it around the table, and it was my audition, you know, on Dre's phone. And it kind of just laid it in, you know, just, just, just the magnitude of what I was about to step into. But from, from then on, he was there on set every single day. You know, he was, we he were just getting down and into it and into the moments, and that built, you know, the legacy. And so it was crazy, man. I had to learn how to DJ, produce, rap, all of the, you know, all of it. At some points,
2: fight, because Dre definitely had some skirmishes
1: he, he got I knew. I, I think I knew how to fight already, but I <laughs> I, look at him,
2: I mean, he was on Broadway. You know people try to test you, you know. I know. I know. <laughs> that's sure why he was fighting. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> now, O'Shea, people may think, like, you had a cheat code, because obviously you right. got to watch your father every day. I mean, that's what you it's did. It's not
7: my fault. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but it wasn't that easy for you though. As no. I mean, and speaking to your dad, he went he says he went extra hard on you. Yeah,
7: um, you know, this whole project was uh it had its difficulties for for everybody. I always say the only thing easy about this movie was Jason. You know, um I went through two years of auditions, you know, uh other cubes, you know, trying to step up to the play, but they just couldn't match your boy. and uh, you know, No, no, no. But in all seriousness, my man Gary, he got me my acting coaches. You know, Aaron Spizer, Susan Batson, who's out here in New York. She's Nicole Kidman's coach. Uh, Dustin Felder. It was all a, a team effort. Three different teachers, three different techniques to kind of form me into something. And, you know... Between that and the boot camp, we all had to do is almost a almost a thousand days of hard work before I even got the role, and then uh, a, a a studio like Universal isn't just gonna just jump into nepotism to to a, appease a, a producer, so you gotta take it serious, and this is my family's legacy, and wasn't nobody gonna take it as serious
2: as me. Did uh, yeah, That's did right. for that. Um. Emotionally, right? Cause your dad's voice—I mean, that was—I mean, for me as a kid, that voice sounded like anger, <laughs> right? That was what anger and being a black man—it was Cube, it was Chuck, like that was—that was it, right? Um, how was it for you? Cause you didn't grow up in the same circumstances as your dad. Did you know that pain? Did you know that frustration already from your dad? Or was that something you had to go, go find, that emotion to bring it out in the film?
7: You definitely gotta find it. You know, you definitely gotta find a, a different type of fire. We had different type of fires to, to build us to where we wanted to be. And when it came to matching that emotion, that, that ferocity, uh, I thought about my family. You know, I thought about my siblings needing me to knock this out the park. They need me to do this right because this is, you know, it, it's it's solidifying our father for eternity. These films last forever, especially straight out of Compton. It's the type of movie that's gonna last through the test of time. So it, it it had to be right, and just having them behind me, I had to get it right. There was no failure. There was no. There wasn't an option.
2: Corey, did Dre ever get in your face a little bit to? make you man up on scene, was
1: there ever
2: a moment where yeah. Dre was like, wait, hold on, stop. <laughs> My man, check this out. To be honest, for the most part,
1: he just, he kind of sat back and he watched, you know? It like, was me that did that. Yeah, Gary <laughs> yeah. we Gary held all of that down, you know what I mean? Gave us all the tools we needed to make sure we got the job done. You know, he was like, drill sergeant um, from day one. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, <laughs> Dre kind of just, he watched, and he always said, "You know, if if was something wrong, I'm gonna let you know." And um, so yeah, it was. I mean, from 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 that, he I remember one time actually on set where it was the uh, the DJ scene. Right. It's time, right? And um, Dre was just he was there, and uh, we, you know we was getting down on the tables. Like I said, I had to learn how to DJ, but you know it was it's so. Anyway, I get I I walk I, I was you know working on the tables and and Dre. Walks into the room with Gary and everything just stopped. Like everybody was like, people working on lights, people was just, you know, like, oh man, what is he about to do? And you know, he just kinda came over and got on the tables and started, you know, it kinda took him back. Cause everything was authentic in the movie, right? Like we had everything, every detail. And so he just started getting down on the tables. And to be honest, that's like really the most, you
6: know, there was stuff here and there, but but you know, that was pretty much pretty much it, man. Yeah, Dre was really respectful of the process. He yeah. wanted it to be right, but he understood that he didn't want, we didn't want anybody to mimic NWA. We didn't want anybody to come up and pretend. We wanted these guys to live in the truth and, and the moment. And basically, these guys did a ton of research. They're being real modest right now, but we put them through it. We really put them through it. Jason had to, we was eating like 4,000 4, calories a day to gain yeah, weight, to, 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 to build up to easy. Yeah, we, man. Then boxing classes and oh, so much curl, <laughs> worlds of <a> curl. <laughs> so nah, much No, I vomit. mean, you, it's a serious process. You look at... Uh, Jake Lamont and what De Niro had to do and losing weight and gaining weight and working with Scorsese. I'm not trying to compare, but I'm trying to compare. These guys really worked their asses off. He was in a gym, he was taking lessons with the DJ. I made them record straight out of Compton the entire album. Yeah. And so these guys really went through it. And I'm, I'm glad they're modest about it, but I gotta give them props for really stepping up. In eight weeks to become NWA. Appreciate
8: that, <laughs> Z.
7: Hold Thank on. You. Just just
6: take a moment. Take a moment <laughs> to really appreciate
7: Gary Gray's yes. vision here. Yes, yes. Because, yeah. because not uh, he, you know, he didn't pick us because we could act, you know, y'all, y'all kind of look similar. He sees character traits in us that he sees in the group members. If you look at the parallels of everything. Dr. Dre, he sees the music different than everybody. He has a different type of appreciation for the music. My man Corey went to Juilliard. He has a different kind of appreciation for acting. He sees it differently than the rest of us. My man Easy, they had to teach him how to be a rapper. My man Jason's from New Orleans. He had he had never been to Cali. He had to completely drop the accent and, right. and be from LA. Walk right. like he from LA and act like he from LA and he embodied it. Cube is the young one of the group. I'm the youngest up here. And the and, most outspoken. That's it. The <laughs> most outspoken. And the bonus, for real. You know, <laughs> and, and that's that's something that goes beyond yeah. what people, you know, you might just see with the naked eye. Gary Gray is the man, y'all. Yes, sir. Oh,
6: listen, thank you. I appreciate that. And you know, when we we do interviews. People say, well, what was the process? What were you looking for? And I said, you know what? It's not about if they look like N.W.A. It was performance, performance, performance. Can right. these guys carry a movie? Then, do I believe you on stage? Are you? Do you have the coordination to be on stage and rap? Then, do I believe you from Compton? Do you have the street credibility? Then it was likeness. So we didn't go out to cast guys that look like N.W.A. I wanted to know that you can carry a movie because once the whole look-alike thing wears off and the novelty of that wears off, you have to carry a movie and these guys killed it. I can't wait for you to see it. I really mean that. They killed it. On that, I want to get to, uh, we have some trailers
2: we want to show. Can you run the the Fab Five Freddy for us? Yeah.
0: Yo, I'm Fab Five Freddy, and right now I'm in Compton in LA. The NWA biopic, Straight out of Compton, is being made right now, right here. They want NWA?
5: Let's give them NWA.
0: Straight out of Compton, crazy mother named Ice Cube. From a gang called weird attitude. Well, Dre, I have to tell you, man, 25 years ago, standing at the Compton sign, I would have <laughs> never thought. <laughs> you, we,
3: I would have never thought we'd be here making a movie about my life, man. This is crazy. I got a cold-ass beat. You got them rocks? You know that's all I do. Yeah, ma'am. He was there with us 25
5: years ago, dude.
0: I want my man Ice Cube to speak a little bit about LA violence and what's going on. When a brother kills a brother, man, the only people that's happy is the other man. I'm
2: coming
6: straight out of town. Getting yes. in the game for a minute. We go back. I love that these guys have allowed me to tell their story. And the details that I get from Dr. Dre and Ice Cube, I think, is going to set this movie apart and make it unique. <laughs> Your songs, they glamorize gangs and drugs. Our art is a
7: reflection of our reality.
0: I heard you guys have been shooting in some of the illest hoods in LA. What's that been like? You have to go there to do it right, you know what I mean? Because that's how it started. It started in the hood. Where do you think you are going?
7: I'm just trying to
2: get home. That's my son. You need to get back in the house, or I will ruin your nuts. Say... I gotta talk to my mom like
5: that. If somebody would've told us 25 years ago, yeah, we're gonna make a movie. We would've looked at them like, it was crazy.
7: Guys supposed to be somewhere these are artists rap is not an art you
2: cannot come down here and harass my clients because of what they look like
6: it's a part of history it's american history and the story has to be told now
0: the performance of the song f the police will not be permitted
3: we're going to make the city proud because this movie is going to be something that's incredible and i'm excited about it speak a little truth and people lose their minds it's a dream come true project
4: that I never thought I was gonna be able to get off. Of.
1: We can keep going, man. We can take over the goddamn world. I'm coming
7: straight out of Compton. Let's see that. Yeah. Hey. hey.
3: hey. hey. Want to be there August 14th?
2: Yeah. Um. So before we talk to Ice Cube, uh, F. Gary Gray, sir. Um, I love your passion. I love everything you bring in, but I, I want to get a little deeper beyond um, just the film. I want to go into social now, right? Sure. Um, because right now in the country, we are experiencing um, what many experienced then and it's still going on now. The difference is, and because you know many of us lived through it then, nobody believed that that's the way police were treating people in their own neighborhoods in 1988, 1989, right? Now we have cell phones and social media and everyone's up in arms like, oh my God, but this has been happening for some time. Um, how do you capture that in the film um, from then? And, and and what are we gonna get from it when we watch Straight of Compton?
6: Well, you know, I, I look at the courage of NWA stepping up and saying, what they said because there weren't no cameras around and they were kind of like, you know, the first guys to get on wax to really talk about it. And I, I think they should feel somewhat vindicated because they were criticized when they dropped that song. People were like, you shouldn't really talk this way about law enforcement. Um, how we handled it in the film is how it happened. I got firsthand accounts from the group of how they interacted with law enforcement. But I gotta say with all the headlines that are going on, I'm, I, I'm actually optimistic. You know, I feel like if these guys start off by shining a light on law enforcement and saying that excessive force is wrong, that starts the conversation. And then now with all the headlines and the iPhones and the Internet and 24-hour news cycle, you can't help but push for change. You know, you can't help push for change. So I'm actually cautiously optimistic because... It's gonna put pressure on our leaders, it's gonna put pressure on leaders in law enforcement, and if you're a person who has a tendency to go left and use excessive force, and you know that the camera's watching you just like it's watching us, they may make the right decision and say, you know what, maybe this is not the right way to go. They may watch this movie and say, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. We can't take anything away from the law enforcement that actually is there to serve and protect, because all police, they're not bad. If like we say, if we get into trouble, we call the cops. We're not calling the homies. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so the truth about the matter is there needs to be change in the culture of law enforcement. And I'm optimistic that all of these headlines, all of this stuff that's going on is gonna put enough pressure on the people who need it to change. Now, Ice Q, um, you were, you know,
2: the voice that comes in first on straight out of Compton. You're the voice that comes in first on "fuck the police." You set the tone, right? Your whole demeanor, everything. You know, me as a fan was it captured everything that I was feeling and my cousins and everyone was feeling. Can you talk about that time? How how old were you in 1988 when you wrote "fuck the police"? How old were you at that time? <clears throat>
4: um, I actually, like wrote it in '87. I was um, 18, 18 years old when I wrote that. And um, you know, obviously
2: uh you were going through something that was was painful. Was rap your only vehicle? Was that what you were feeling at the time? Is that why you chose to rap and those were some of the the first things that you wanted to get off when you guys knew it was time like talk talk about the decision to write those records.
4: What it is, we was just uh you know, before we was dealing with the police, we was happy <clears throat> that we was doing something positive, we was doing something creative. You know, hip hop was new, everybody didn't do it on every corner, so we was doing something outside the box when it comes to our neighborhood, and you know, on the way to the studio, on the way back, in between, you know, we hearing all these horror stories from each member, you know, every, it seemed like every week it was something different. Uh, Some kind of encounter with the police. In 88, back in the 80s. Not just 88, but back in the 80s, Daryl Gates, who was the chief of police in Los Angeles, he declared a war on gangs. Now, you know, to people who are law-abiding citizens, a war on gangs doesn't seem too bad. But when law enforcement thinks every black kid or every black youngster that looks a certain way you know, uh, is a gangbanger, then it's actually a war on black youth. Um, and that's what we felt. We felt they pressure. Uh, they didn't have any problems with applying pressure to us. So, you know, we was talking about each other on the records. We was talking about the dope man. We was talking about the gangsters. We was talking about the bitches and the hoes, but we didn't talk about the real problem. So we decided to do a record that addressed the real problem. And it was, a. Uh, you know, a uh, song that was what we considered our only weapon because we felt like it was nothing we could do. It was a no-win situation and we had to do something. So we did that record just as a protest record. It was a revenge fantasy record, you know, like uh, Quentin Tarantino did that movie In- *Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, that was our *Inglorious Bastards right there. You know, we did a a, a song that, f- that really explained how we felt, and all the youth that we encountered felt the same way. Not only the youth, but it's adults. It's like, in every country, people have a problem with with the police and the authorities in their country abusing them. So it's just a song, it's an anthem, you know, to fight back against that kind of abuse. I do consider it nonviolent protests. protest because we didn't get a Molotov cocktail, we didn't go on the streets, we didn't loot, we didn't burn shit up, we didn't do none of that. We just made music and we was creative with it and constructive with it and not destructive, and uh, and look where it got us.
2: Um, yeah. But you know, after after years of that war on gangs, right? The Rodney King, Um verdict comes down, the incident, the beating, the verdict, the whole thing. And the burning and the looting and the Molotov cocktails did fly. Um Gary, were you able to cover that in straight out of confidence?
6: Absolutely. I can't wait till you see the movie. <laughs> because uh we touch on Rodney King. We actually uh definitely touch on the riots and um the anger and everything that went on back then and you'll get a sense of the more things change the more they stay the same. But like I said, you know it's movies like this and, you know, the headlines that I think hopefully will make change or at least put apply pressure on the right people.
2: Um, you guys straight out of Compton. August 14th is the day, correct? Yeah. yeah. 10 yeah, theaters. Yeah. Um, I know we have tons of questions that we want to get to. Um, I want to show the, uh, the other trailer that we have, and then I want to go Q&A. Is that good? Yeah.
0: Let's do it. I'm Fab Five Freddy, and I'm here in Los Angeles, California. We're on the set of the movie about the life, the story of N.W.A. straight out of Compton. Where the money at? And why you gotta be so ruthless, cuz? Everybody's here, the artists that were and are N.W.A. But unfortunately, Eazy-E is missing in action.
3: Eazy was a very close friend of ours, and it was really important to me that we got his story right.
1: You had the chance. Change the situation. Would you take it? Just hit that first beat hard, alright? You cruising down the street. Alright.
0: Cruising down the street in
5: my six foot. Hey, that was dope, eh? Easy
4: was a genius when it comes to entertainment and promoting and understanding what people want.
6: What's NWA stand for anyway? No whites allowed? No. Niggas with attitudes. The world would be different if he didn't exist. And when you shoot these scenes, you just try to get it as right as you possibly can. This isn't the Crips and Bloods. This is a threat from the federal government. This
3: is free
5: publicity.
3: A Couple of times it gave me chills with some of the things that Jason did playing easy.
5: You want to be involved with this gangster life? Here we go.
0: It's that like with Easy not being here.
3: I wish he was here to see this, because if he was here seeing this, he'd love it. We always gonna be breathless.
0: It's just sad that he can't be here, but
5: there's some joy coming out of this. They're making him a legend in the movie. They want NWA? Let's give him NWA. Let's go get this money. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Easy is the reason why this thing really works. To be an all star group, we gotta look like.
4: Sound like. This. You know, he's one of the most courageous dudes I ever met. And hopefully this is a tribute to him and what he built. Stumped, back, boy, town, town, town. What's going on? What do you have in that bag? Are you kidding me? You
6: can't take that in the bus.
2: Um, so I, as you guys set up with the microphones for the Q&A, um, we are, a little, you know, Ice Cube, you was one of the pins, the amazing writers that wrote for Eazy-E. And you see that trailer right there, and you firsthand, you know, wrote for someone in rap, but they brought something else to the table. And, you know, right now we live in, and as y'all know, whether rappers write their rhymes and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I, I would like you to speak on it because you did write as well as other people for Easy, but he brought a persona that was necessary. He brought a tone of voice and, and an attitude and an idea. Um, can you talk about Because. At a certain point, you were writing, and then you guys fell out, and it was beef.
4: Yeah, you know, uh, you know, when it, whether it's ghost writing or whatever, you know, there's a controversy behind it. Uh, I Always believe, you know, you know, rapping and being an MC is one thing. You know, if you're an MC and you're on the stage and you're a real master of ceremonies, you want them to rap and write their own shit, okay? But You're making records. It's all about what's coming out the speaker. You know, people are not really concerned about what's going on in the studio. All they want to know is what's coming out the speaker. And many records have been made by committee. Not by not just rappers, but singers and all kind of artists collaborate to make good records. And it's nothing wrong with that. It's nothing wrong with uh. An artist collaborating with a writer to make a good record, because that's the objective. Uh, so to me, it's, it's apples and oranges a little bit. As far as writing for easy, uh, you know, it wasn't just me. It was D.O.C. It was M.C. Ren. We were all writing. We were all trying to make uh his vision come true. Now, N.W.A. and E.Z.E. is Eric's vision. Uh, He's the one who said, man, I don't want that soft ass bullshit. You better write me something hard, you know, and he allowed us to explore that side of our creative ability and to, you know, he wanted to walk on the wild side. He wanted to be an outlaw in music. He wanted to show that he was taking a different path. So, you know, I credit him. You know, he might not have wrote the rhymes, but he did create the persona. He did create the legend. He did create N.W.A. And he's a a musical genius for that.
2: And I, I was just gonna say, and you caught that in the film.
6: Yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, we respected that. When we heard NWA and we heard that there was a guy on the other side of the town who was CEO, he was like Barry Gordy. These guys were young. He was a teenager. Easy e was 20 years old or something like that. So you got to remember in the context of the time, he didn't have the benefit of death row and cash money and bad boy records. The only people who had built a record company up to that point, I believe, was Motown or something like that. So you got kids from the hood without any business experience, no business degrees, and we respected it. it was like, oh yeah, we got Cube writing his rhymes, but this dude built a company. So I don't think people. I mean, he at Easy said it in the record. Yeah, Ice Cube's rise rhymes. That yeah, I say. That's yeah, right. You know, he said it in the record. He, he wasn't hiding it. So you got guy. You got the whole Ghostwriter controversy. But the bottom line, that dude built a. A company that spawns so much entertainment, and Cube can speak to the family tree that came from Eazy-E and NWA. Speak to that. I mean, you know?
4: no, no, no EZE. Of course, no NWA, but no Friday movie. You know what I'm saying? No. My first Chris movie. Chris Tucker. Uh, you know, no Boys in the Hood. No Snoop. No. Uh, M&M, bone thugs and harmony no bone thugs no 50 cent you know it's like we've been all entertained by the nwa family tree since uh the 80s so the the world deserves this movie it's a slice of american uh history uh it's a slice of our history and um you know it deserves to to get all the prestige that universal pictures is giving it and uh, you know, I'm just happy to be here at this moment and be able to produce this movie with my man Gary Gray. We started off together. He's produced uh, and, and done some of my best videos ever, like "It Was a Good Day," and you know, he did uh, "Natural Born Killers" and "Friday." And you know, so I know you know he's a genius, and he he always, you know, when when we look at ourselves. He always makes sure that you know our story is, is respected when it goes on the big screen. and uh, I'm just lucky, happy, proud, you know my son and I'm so proud of him.
1: No doubt. you know it's just like yeah,
4: yeah, I'm more proud of him than I am an NWA and shit you know what I mean I'm, <laughs> I'm having up. my you know my proud uh, my proud, confusing moments, but I'm on cloud 9, 10, 11, and 12, and if you got a few more, I'll jump on them too. Uh, we got questions from the, from the peoples, from the peoples.
8: First and foremost, this movie looks fantastic. Um, F. Gary, I've been a fan of yours since Set It Off. Um, that was just an amazing movie. What about Friday? Friday. Oh, I'm going to get to that. I'm going to get to that. <laughs> Damn. I'm, just Damn. I'm, just Damn. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> I just saw, I saw Friday too many times, you know what I'm saying? All right, all right, all right. Um, enough. But your last film, Law Abiding Citizen, was shot, well, well, it came out in 2009. And this movie came out in 2015. So, I'm just curious, like, your work has been great. How, why did it take, like, for you to do something else after Law Abiding, why did it take so long? Or were you on a break? Or what was that like? And also, the state of films, or making films, or as actors, like, what's that like now, currently? Like, the state of Hollywood with, African American actors or minorities, you know, getting roles, or you yourself producing films or making films. Like, what's that like, and why did it take so long for you to?
6: Thank you, thank you for the question. Um, Why did it take me so long to make another movie (laughs) from from uh, Law Abiding Citizen? I've been working on this movie since 2011. You know, uh, making films are really hard. Um, I'm, I'm not smart enough to do one a year, like some of these filmmakers are good enough to get out there and do it. And for me, it's not enough money to make films um, for me. And I'm saying that because it's such a hard process that I, my, my heart has to be attached to the story. And even if the script's not perfect, I have to buy in with, 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 with honestly what I feel in my heart. And so there's a lot of material that gets offered to me all the time but I just don't connect with it. Hollywood doesn't develop a lot, enough stories for me to just jump in and make a movie every year. So when I got straight out of Compton, I was even afraid to do that one because I know the guys, I know the story, and I'm thinking there's so many ways you can get it wrong. But when I talked to Cube and I read the draft, I said, you know what, this is history, I have to do this. So I bought into this with passion and it took me four years to, get it, to put it on the screen and um it was worth it and when you see it hopefully you feel the same way i think by far all of those films set it off negotiator italian job all those films trained me for this one and this one by far i think is my best
4: when when it comes to uh getting films made it's still the hardest thing to do you know no matter how many films you got under your belt it's still the same process of getting it green lit. You know, you can do a movie that make a whole lot of money, and then you go for your next meeting, and you back at the bottom. You back starting with a script, and who you gonna put in it, and you gotta attach good people to it before people even buy it. So you gotta damn near walk in with the script, and I think Gary Gray gonna direct it. I think uh, we gonna have this actor, and you gotta kind of come in with your dream team. And then you know you you start to get the ball rolling, but you know the hardest thing in Hollywood is to get a movie green lit. Uh, just because it's the same process for most most directors, you know, even Steven Spielberg, Quentin Tarantino, F. Gary Gray, uh, fucking like Scorsese, all these dudes still gotta go in and convince each movie convince the studio to make it because you know they they're not only out the millions for the movie. So if your movie costs this movie costs over $30 million to make. So they gotta put another uh somewhat twenty-five to thirty million dollars in advertising. I think
6: it was twenty nine. (laughs) Huh? I think it was twenty nine.
4: Don't give me extra money I didn't have. Hey man shit Well, anyway, twenty nine, but but still, you know, it's like it's a it's a big investment, you know. You look, they they in for you know about fifty sixty million dollars on this movie. So for somebody to give you that to do a movie, you got to have your shit together for sure, for real.
5: Thank you for breaking down that wall for us, though, guys. Yeah. Because um, they, we we still part of the N.W.A. family tree right here. You know what I mean? Like they they letting us do what we do and show our art, give us a chance to make history. You know, change our life and rattle that up a little bit. So I appreciate that, real.
2: And you I know I know Corey, Corey coming off Broadway right and, and doing this film right. I'm sure the offers for all of y'all. You know, I'm the early. I'm hearing the early. You know, critics, loving this right. So they're gonna be coming after all of y'all. I mean, I'm seeing, I'm seeing the press. I'm sure y'all seeing the news. press. Um, I mean, are y'all, are the phones ringing a little bit more about being mean, in this film?
1: You know, things things are happening, but we, you know, we just got them to thank for that, you know, for this opportunity. Um, but at the same time, we still appreciate that there are other artists, there are other musicians, there are other, you know, people, actors, who who haven't had that opportunity. But success for me, in my head, is sort of when luck You know, meets meets that preparation. You know, and and it could happen at any time. And like you just said, you could be at the top on one movie, and then come in for the next one, and you starting. At the bottom again, oh yeah. Because we definitely still auditioning, you know, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> they Ain't so coming like that. It's nothing. It's nothing. But you just got to continue to. I mean, for us, I know it's like you just got. We just got to continue to just do the work that we passionate about, man. And and, and right. it don't matter what the story is. But but we gotta we gotta be connected to it, and we gotta do it right. The way that they did it right, you know, the way that we did it right on this movie, and and put the money behind it, raise the money, go see the film, First support weekend. it, you know, and and really and really get behind what we do, you know. So that's my little two cents. There you go. All right, I just want to say specifically to Ice
7: Cube, you know, I really appreciate the whole issue with N.W.A. That's when hip hop was really real, and it really utilized the aspect of the struggle and what we had to go through. Um, With that being said, I know you guys have seen the level of police violence going on with the recent killings of Eric Garner, Walter Scott, Tamir Rice and others. Do you feel that things have gotten better or it's just become more viral? And I know hip hop has gotten a lot more commercial. Do you feel as though more pivotal artists such as like J. Cole, Drake, Kendrick Lamar, even though he is doing like a lot of things, especially with his new album. Do you feel that they should speak more on this particular aspect?
4: As far as police, you know, issues with police, uh, you know, things are not getting better. They're, you know, they're just being um, videotaped. You know, social media is better. And, you know, we need to apply the pressure and hold these officers accountable. Uh, They're starting to be held accountable. You know, a couple of them are getting indicted right away for clearly breaking the law. Uh, So, you know, that's starting to get better, and hopefully we'll we'll see that trend continue. As far as artists, I think an artist should do what he feel. I I don't think an artist should be pressured into making statements or to stick their neck out or to do anything out of... Their own heart and their own passion, you know. It's enough A and R suckers around here making them do <laughs> records they don't want to do, you know. what I mean, let alone making them do protest records, which bring a lot of heat. So you got to be ready for that heat. Uh, and so artists should do what they feel. They should continue to always do what they feel. Uh, I love what Jay Cole is doing. I love what Kendrick is doing. You know, uh, Kanye even has a lot to say sometimes. So. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so you know it it's it's a few artists that still got things to say you know I blame the the turn on you know our media outlets uh you know uh and our hip hop outlets that we had at the time at the time they turned on on a positive uh rap that was political and they exchanged it for. Booty music, smoking blunts, you know, get your club on, get your jewelry up, you know what I'm saying? Where your bitches at, all that, you know, they really uh, pushed it into that realm. So it's up to the artist to take it back. Uh, and it's up to the artist to to say what you feel and not care if you get on the radio or not. Cause that part don't matter. You know, what matters is that, you know, you you're being true to yourself you love what you're doing, and you catering to your own fans.
5: My man right here been having his hand up the entire time. We got a guy right here, he's yeah. had his hands up for we a minute. Voting, if we can get to him. We voting for my man right here.
7: We got your back, dog. We riding I just for wanna you. say I saw the film and it was like The Black
1: Godfather.
5: That's who-
7: oh, here, here. this is why we wow. picked this man.
1: Like, um so my Gary. question is like, do you guys have any advice for like a young black man trying to make it in their craft or like trying to do stuff? Like
4: everything? Stay creative. Stay creative. Stay in the creative space, man. Keep a pen and a pad in your hand. You never know what, what you can do with that. You know, that's powerful. And um fall in love with what you're doing, not what you can get out of it. You know what I'm saying? If you do that, everything else will be gravy. Uh we didn't know we was gonna be famous. We did records that we thought was straight underground. We thought they were so raw and dirty that you had to be a criminal to listen to it, so to speak. You know what I mean? That's, that's, that's a joke, but I'm just saying, we, we felt like our records was gonna be way, way in the back. And you know, uh, it blew us up and we didn't, we didn't know we was gonna blow up and it just happened because we was true to what we was doing. And not looking to blow up, so uh, it's really about if you fall in love with the music, then the music industry can't hurt you. If you fall in love with movies, art, writing, whatever, the industry can't hurt you. But if you fall in love with the flash, glitter, and the lifestyle, and that, the industry is gonna frustrate the hell out you. So you know, fall in love with the right thing, and uh, you'll be a happy artist. That's
5: and just tough. worry about the now too, boss. You know what I mean? Just. The now, because I'm a person with a past, you know what I mean? And I, I really thought that it was going to affect my future in the most negative way possible. But, you know, just with a different mindset, like, I changed a lot, you know what I mean? I didn't have to stop dressing how I want to dress. I didn't have to start talking crazy, I, didn't, you know what I mean? I just changed my mindset, you know what I mean? Try to do something a little bit different. And I focused on that day, you know what I mean? I was trying to be ready on that day. And you got to do that, man. Everybody got to do that for themselves, cause self-preservation
6: is, you know, what it's all about. Yeah. And just do it. Don't worry. Don't wait for someone else. You know, we started Friday when I was 24 years old, and that was before video phones, camera phones, and stuff that you can get easily on your laptop and stuff like that. And um, we just had a, a passion. We had a story to tell. We wanted to tell it. We didn't let anyone else tell us how to tell it, when to tell it, or why to tell it. So you have a lot of tools really right now that you have access to, just get up and do it. And like he said, make sure you have passion for it. Don't try to please everybody else, because we can feel it. The one thing I love about this film is the heart in it. These guys delivered a heartfelt, world-class performance, each of them, and he gave his heart for this movie. And so all of that you feel. And so no matter what it is you do, be it a short film, a long film, or music, or whatever it is, try to tie it to your heart and people will come. Don't chase them, let them visit what you're doing.
3: Hi, um, my name is Eric. I'm actually from Compton, uh, <laughs> <Lewisburgers>. <laughs> there you go. Um, and I'm a NYU graduate student now. I went to UCLA back home, and so I, it's been a, a huge leap for me to move to New York and be away from LA and Compton. I feel and you. so Ice Cube, I grew up listening to NWA all my life. Um, it's really had an impactful uh, uh in terms of self-identity for me, and, uh, and growing up in Compton, and knowing, understanding firsthand what it's like to grow up uh, in Compton. And so my question is, how do you think the film is going to impact the community now?
4: Hopefully, the community uh uh, uh be inspired by our story. Um, you know, the city of Compton is is gonna be a, what it is. It's all about the people, and we have a chance to be something. And uh, this movie shows that if you got a dream, you got heart, you got passion, determination, you could do what you want to do, uh, and you can have fun, and you could do it your way. So hopefully, it inspires the people in Compton to, you know, to show their talent. You know, the world has seen that it's a lot of talent, and not just Compton, but. Every city, there's talent there just waiting to uh, be the next NWA or be the next Ice Cube or Gary Gray or or whoever's out there that's doing things that, that they want to do. So it's, it's really, hopefully the movie inspires people to to be themselves and to do what they feel.
7: Hi, guys. Um, How you doing? So I just wanted to ask you guys, what are your opinions on, like, hip-hop education? Because um at my school, I have a teacher, and he's actually taking, like, hip-hop and hip-hop lyrics and say, like, Kendrick Lamar's album. He took that and put that into a lesson plan, like, taught us, his students, and actually got Kendrick, That's you know, to dope. come to our school. And so I just wanted to know, like, what are your opinions on that? Like, what could we learn from, like, rap and hip-hop in, like, today's society?
5: That's to dope.
4: me, you know, it's dope. Uh, I think hip hop is is to, you know, uh, learn about each other uh, through hearing other people's expression, how they feel. It's a lot of knowledge in them lyrics. It's, it's, uh, it's clever teaching and clever storytelling, uh, and people respond to that. Sometimes you respond to that more than, you know, read this, read that, read this, read that. You know, I know everybody got to read. I ain't saying it. I ain't dissing read now, <laughs> but I'm just saying people learn in different ways. So, however you learn, is is always good. You know, no matter, you know, however you pick that up. Uh, so, hip hop in school is dope. You know, because uh, people try to try to uh, always talk about its negative qualities, but they never talk about its positive qualities on teaching people about people, and uh, that's what they do. So, I think it's great. Y'all give it up. Easy E.
2: Ice Cube. Dr. Dre. F. Gary Gray. The real Ice and Cube. And the real Ice Cube. <laughs> Straight out of Compton, August 14th.